0: Welcome home. You're listening to the 180 Church Podcast with Dr. Sammy and friends. Dr. Sammy D. Kim is a Harvard-trained ethicist and co-founder of 180 Church NYC. He is a Yale Hastings Scholar at the Yale Interdisciplinary Center for Bioethics and the Hastings Center, where he explores the inequities surrounding health, immigration, and social policies, along with professional burnout. He is also a regular contributor to Christianity Today. For more information, please visit his website at samdkim.com.
1: Thanks for all joining us online and in person. I want to give you just a moment as we practice the rule life to spend a moment of pause and silence to center ourselves so that we can really hear from the Lord through uh, our lay leader. Paul, who has a confluence of great rationality and logic, but might be the softest man in the world, who makes us, stretch our, stretches our minds usually, but also makes us cry. You might feel the power of God today, so uh, bow with me, just pause, let's just empty by exhaling let's exhale all the automatic ruminating harassing thoughts that's weighing on you today this week this season bring it to the feet of the lord and inhale the presence of god his promise that when we cast our cares upon Him, He will give us a transcending peace. And the promise and the assurance that He cares for us and is walking with us. Sarah Young, Jesus Calling, December 11th. I am working on your behalf. Bring me all your concerns, including your dreams. Talk with me about everything. Let the light of my presence shine on your hopes and plans, spend time allowing my light to infuse your dreams with life, gradually transforming them into reality. This is a very practical way of working with me. I, the creator of the universe, have designed to co-create with you. Do not hurry on this process if you wanna work with me. You have to accept my time frame. Hurry is not in my nature. Abraham and Sarah had to wait many years for the fulfillment of my promise, a son. How how they longed for the enjoyment of that child. Remember, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, perceiving as a real fact what is not revealed to the senses. All God's people pray. Amen. Let's give a warm welcome to our brother.
2: Oh, geez, okay. We good, good sound, cool. Um, so last time that I was up here, I spoke about living in the presence of God and ritual sacrifice. Uh, can we get the first slide up? And it's a reality in which God wants to bless and draw near to the people of Israel. Um, so God, what does God do? God shows up in the middle of Israel's camp and dwells with his people but God also wants to invite the people into his presence. So God lands inside that tent and uh, God wants to invite people into his presence. So God gives the Israelites a means through ritual sacrifice to enter into his holy presence. And it's through the institution of purification and atonement rituals that God teaches us something about God's self, how God is enacting and will enact his justice, his mercy, his holiness, and his love. So today we arrive at the question, what do the ritual sacrifices, the biblical family's interactions with God, the foreshadowing of Jesus by Isaiah, so everything in the last sermon, um, what do these things reveal about the person and the character of God? Um, and the main point of today's sermon, they reveal the hesed of God. So say it with me, uh, it's K-H for <laughs> so you got to make the H, <laughs> um, but it's chesed of God. All right. Okay, cool. (laughs) We'll say it a lot. Um, All right. (laughs) But um, so we're going to take a slight detour. uh, Before we talk about the chesed of God, uh, we're going to talk about theology. Um, So theology is the study of the nature of God and religious belief. And um, why? Because making truth claims and saying that God is love and merciful or this or that assumes that Mere humans in all our mediocrity can actually know and experience an infinite God. Um, But how can this be when in Leviticus, the holiness of God prevents entry into God's presence, Um, when there's utter separation between the holiness or set-apartness of God and the world, and the two are totally unlike and exclusive. Next slide. So uh, theologian Karl Barth, describes God as wholly other, um, above us, above space and time, above all concepts and opinions and all potentialities. God's otherness implies exclusive separation. So I'm going to read that quote on the screen. God, the pure limit and pure beginning of all that we are, have and do, standing over an infinite qualitative difference to man and all that is human. Nowhere and never identical with that which we call God, experience, surmise, and pray to as God. The unconditional halt, as opposed to all human rest, the yes in our no and the no in our yes, the first and the last, and as such unknown, but nowhere and never a magnitude amongst others in the medium known to us. God the Lord, the Creator and Redeemer, that is the living God. So, Bart speaks about God as a God beyond human comprehension. Um, And so humanity, by our own intellect, our own effort, or our own discipline, we can't hope to approach God. Um, We are complete aliens until God wills to give himself to us, for God so loved the world that he gave. So God must show up in the tabernacle, God must invite us into his presence, and God must save. Uh, This is the self-electing God. That is to say that it's God who chooses to reveal himself to us in time, in his time, on his terms and by his means. The choice of God demonstrates his initiative in creation and in salvation. And so God chooses to be the God of humanity and that humanity will be God's people. God chooses these things. We belong to him because God has first chosen to belong to us. And that is the covenant, the promise um, that God initiates with his people again and again in the Bible, that God is our God and we are his people. So returning to the question, what can we as mere humans actually know about a holy other God? What what can we know? Um, We can know God through the ways in which God has chosen to reveal himself to us. That is through God's interactions with humanity. And a lot of those things are discussed in the Bible. So when there are instances in the Bible where God reveals God's self through actions or through speech, we ought to pay attention. All right. Next slide. So we're going to go through some of those instances and some of those uh, things that God says about himself. So one of the early instances of God's self-revelation happens on Mount Sinai in Exodus 34. Um, So while the Israelites are busy crafting a golden calf at the base of Mount Sinai and offering worship and sacrifices to a God of their own making, uh, Moses goes up to the mountain to meet God and receives the 10 Commandments. So keep that in mind. People of Israel are committing idolatry. Moses is going up. But in this encounter, God describes himself to Moses. The Lord descended in a cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed the name, the Lord. The Lord passed before him and proclaimed the Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for the thousandth generation, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, yet by no means clearing the guilty but visiting the iniquity of the parents upon the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. So there are five characteristics of God that are being described in uh, Exodus 34, 6. So merciful, gracious, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. Um, Today, we're going to focus on chesed, which is translated here as steadfast love. Um, The fourth characteristic that God gives himself in Exodus 34. Um, and like I said before, ironically, or maybe to prove a point, uh, God reveals these five characteristics to Moses, merciful, gracious, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness shortly after his people are committing adultery. So I mean, idolatry, same thing in his mind. But um, so 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 these things are happening all at the same time. And so we've got to wonder what does that mean? Um, next slide. Cool. so Hess said, I uh, oh no, sorry, back one. Yeah appears 250 times in the Hebrew Bible, most often in the Psalms. Um, The majority of the time when the word hesed is used, it's used to describe God. Uh, Roughly 25% of the time it's used to describe people, um, notable people like Ruth and Hosea. And although hesed has been translated in Exodus 34 as steadfast love, there is no actual literal translation. Um, There is no English equivalent to the word hesed. So various English translations have attempted to translate it as mercy, being generous, covenant faithfulness, showing deep affection, love, loving kindness, steadfast love. Um, But it's not an emotion or a feeling. Uh, It involves action on behalf of someone who's in need. It describes a sense of love and loyalty that inspires merciful and compassionate behavior towards another person. Um, And if you were to bunch up all of the definitions uh, together, it sounds something like, hesed is an outflowing of generosity through concrete acts of kindness from a covenant partner motivated by love and by doing so fulfills a promise. So if you put all the definitions together, that's kind of what it sounds like in a sentence. But even this definition falls short um, because in our attempt to use words from another language, so in English, um, we lose the history in the context of hesed. So we don't know where it comes from if we just translate in English, right? Um, We lose the mental hyperlinks uh, to the stories and the encounters that should come to mind when we think of God's hesed. So rather than trying to define hesed through vocabulary, um, it's a lot more useful to illustrate it through uh, narrative examples. So today we're gonna cover three um, examples demonstrating God's hesed. Um, And again, that's God's abundant generosity Revealed to us through acts of kindness motivated by love that fulfills a promise. Um, so re- to reclaim some of those mental hyperlinks, we're going to talk about unilateral covenants, Hosea, and Jesus as the wounded healer. Um, these are expressions of God's has said for his people. So first off, unilateral covenants. Next, next slide. Cool. Uh, I'm going to be reading um, Genesis 15, so bear with me. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram, I am your shield. Your reward shall be very great. But Abram said, O Lord God, what will you give me? For I continue childless, and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, you have given me no offspring, so a slave born in my house is to be my heir. But the word of the Lord came to him. This man shall not be your heir. No one but your very own issue shall be your heir. He brought him outside and said, look toward heaven and count the stars if you are able to count them. Then he said to him, so shall your descendants be. And he believed the Lord and the Lord reckoned to him as righteousness. Next slide. Then he said to him, O Lord, uh, said to him, I'm the Lord who brought you from Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to possess. But he said, O Lord God, how am I to know that I shall possess it? He said to him, bring me a heifer three years old a female goat three years old, a ram three years old, a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. He brought him all these things and cut them in two, laying each half over, the, over against the other, but he did not cut the birds in two. And when the birds of prey came down on the carcasses, Abram drove them away. As the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell upon Abram, and a deep and terrifying darkness des- uh, descended upon him. And next verse. Okay, when the sun had gone down and it was dark, a smoking pot, fire pot and a flaming torch passed between these pieces. On that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram saying, to your descendants, I give this land. Next slide. All right, so what is happening? Uh, <laughs> God reveals himself to Abram in a vision, makes a covenant, right? Um, but unlike other covenants in the ancient Near East, this covenant that God makes the Abram was quite unique. Uh, don't mind the floating fire pots and torches and all that stuff, but it's still unique even amongst those things. Um, It's a unilateral covenant, or it's a covenant that's kept in force by only one of the parties. And I'll explain what that means. Um, This covenant is a central pillar. It's a foundation of Jewish and Christian theology of how we understand God. So Christian Hayes, uh, quote up there, uh, religious studies professor at Yale writes, ancient Near East parallels to the biblical covenant have been pointed out by historians. In suzerainty covenants, or covenants made with a feudal lord, a superior party dictates the terms of a political treaty, and an inferior party obeys them. The arrangement serves primarily the interest of a suzerain or a a superior party. In parity covenants, so suzerainty is one type of uh, covenant, so that's a covenant that you make with the feudal Lord to get land? One. Okay, parity covenant is a covenant that's made between two equal parties agreeing to observe the provisions of a treaty. And there are four covenants in the Hebrew Bible uh, uh, initiated by Yahweh as expressions of divine favor and graciousness. So two of them appear in Genesis and we're gonna uh, briefly talk about the second one, but the Nohide covenant, the first covenant and the Abrahamic covenant. The Nohide covenant in Genesis 9, made after the flood, is universal in scope, encompassing all life on earth. And this covenant pretty much says, uh, God will never destroy all life again. Um, By contrast, the Abrahamic covenant, which is the one that we just read about, is a covenant with a single individual, um, and it resembles an ancient Near East suzerainty covenant, a land grant covenant. Um, Yahweh appears as the suzerain, or the feudal lord, making a land grant to a favored subject an ancient ritual validates the oath and the parties of the oath pass through the split carcasses of sacrificial animals, symbolically signaling their agreement to suffer the fate should they violate the covenant. So basically the covenant says this will happen to me if I violate the covenant. Um, But in Genesis 15, Abraham cuts several sacrificial animals in two, but Yahweh and only Yahweh passes between the two halves. Thus thus the striking thing about the Abrahamic covenant is its unilateral character. Only Yahweh is obligated by the covenant, obligated to fulfill the promise that he's made." So Abraham does not have any obligations in this covenant. Um, Thus the lesser party, Abraham, and not the superior party, Yahweh, is benefiting from this covenant. It's a reversal of the reader's expectations. So the self-electing God, just stepping back, who chooses to reveal himself to us in his time, on his terms, by his means, God chooses to solely initiate, maintain, and fulfill a covenant with Abram. It's God that does it. God chooses to be the God of Abraham and his offspring and declares Abraham and his offspring to be his people. And having entered into a covenant relationship with His people, God binds himself to act with Hesed, and he is utterly faithful to his own self-commitment. So God puts himself in that position. Um, so our hope in God's Hesed, in God's generosity, in His acts of kindness to us, is not founded on our ability to keep His commandments and our faithfulness, but it's founded on God's ability to keep in God. Next slide. All right, example number two, Hosea. From the Christian perspective, uh, we say that the Bible is a unified story that points to Jesus. Uh, The Hebrew Bible or the Old Testament reveals God's character and how he relates to his people, but ultimately the Hebrew Bible points forward to a future hope. Um, The prophet Hosea was called to speak on God's behalf around the fall of the Northern Kingdom of Israel. And Hosea's life was a message to the Israelites and God's people about the ways God would uphold the consequences of sin, but also demonstrate love. Um, And so we'll read, uh, God tells the people that he will relate to them like a faithful and loving husband relates to his wife. Um, And Hosea's turbulent marriage with his wife, Gomer, becomes a prophetic symbol of God's relationship with his people. So his message highlights Israel's sin and idolatry through Gomer and the impending destruction by Syria, But Hosea also looks forward to a time when God will renew his covenant with Israel and the arrival of a promised messianic king. So I'm going to read Hosea. Hosea 1. When the Lord first spoke through Hosea, the Lord said to Hosea, go take for yourself a wife of prostitution and have children of prostitution, for the land commits great prostitution by forsaking the Lord. So he went and took Gomer, daughter of and she conceived and bore him a son. And the Lord said to him, name him Jezreel, for in a little while I will punish the house of Jehu for the blood of Jezreel, and I will put an end to the kingdom of the house of Israel. On that day I will break the bow of Israel on the valley of Jezreel. She conceived again and bore a daughter. The Lord said to him, name her Lo Ruhamah, for I will no longer have pity on the house of Israel or forgive them, but I will have pity on the house of Judah and I will save them by the Lord their God. I will not save them by bow or by sword or by war or by horses or by horsemen. When she had weaned Lo-Ruhamah, she, convinced, uh, she conceived and bore a son. Then the Lord said, name him Lo-Ami, for you are not my people and I'm not your God. Yet the Israelites will be like the sand on the seashore, which cannot be measured or counted in the place where it was said to them, you are not my people, and they will be called children of the living God. The people of Judah and the people of Israel will come together and they will appoint a leader and will come up out of the land. For great will be the day of Jezreel." Okay, next slide. Hosea 2. On that day, says the Lord, you will call me my husband and no longer will you be called my Baal. For I will remove the names of the Baals from her mouth, and they shall be mentioned by name no more. I will make for you a covenant on that day with the wild animals, the birds of the air, the creeping things on the ground. And I will abolish the bow, the sword, the war from the land, and I will make you lie down in safety. And I will take you for my wife forever, and I will take you for my wife in righteousness and in justice, in steadfast love and in mercy. I will take you for my wife in faithfulness, and you shall know the Lord." and hebrew Hosea uh, 3. the lord said to me again go love a woman who has a lover and an, is an adulteress just as the lord loves the people of israel though they turn to others Uh, gods and love raisin cakes. So I brought her for 15 shekels of silver and homer, a barley and a measure of wine. And I said to her, you must remain as mine for many days. You shall not prostitute yourself. You shall not have intercourse with the man, nor I with you. For the Israelites shall remain many days without king or prince, without sacrifice or pillar, without ephod or teraphim. Um, Afterward, the Israelites shall return to seek the Lord their God and David their king. They shall come in awe to the Lord and to his goodness in the later days. Okay, next slide. All right, so what's happening? Sorry, I just read a lot, but uh, what's happening? Uh, God is acting as a faithful husband to Israel, and he's kind of recapping the story of Israel up to that point. So he rescued them out of slavery. He brought them to Mount Sinai and entered into a covenant with them. We just read that in Exodus 34. He declares himself their God and asks them to be faithful to him alone. And eventually God brought Israel into the promised land, Um, but instead of worshiping their God, the Israelites took the abundance of the land and gave them and dedicated it for the worship of the Canaanite God Baal. So I mean, it's the total face slap. Um, at this point, um, if I, if it were any other married couple, uh, we'd probably say there's a legitimate reason to end the marriage. Um, this spouse is taking your resources and offering them at the feet of her other suitors. So, yeah. So of course God is angry, right? Um, and Israel will fall to the Assyrians as a consequence of their sin. Um, but despite His anger, God says He will pursue Israel and renew His covenant with them. Why? Because of his own commitment to Hesed. Um, God will show Hesed to his people, even though they have become like a wife who strays in her heart and in her actions. So, verse 19 I will betroth you to me forever. I will betroth you in righteousness and justice, in love and compassion. I will betroth you in faithfulness, and you will acknowledge the Lord. Um, God's Hesed is undeserved, it's extravagant. Um, and it's beyond our understanding and our enduring. And it speaks to both the reality of God's character and the ideal that we should strive towards. So God instructs Hosea in chapter three, despite Gomer's unfaithfulness, God tells Hosea to go and find Gomer, pay off her debts to her lovers, and commit his love and faithfulness to her once again as a prophetic symbol of God's relationship with Israel. So we learn that Israel has rebelled and God will bring severe consequences. But God's commitment to hesed, steadfast love, abundant kindness and mercy is more powerful than Israel's disobedience. God's faithfulness is more powerful than our disobedience. Last illustration, Jesus the wounded healer. Next slide. So I mentioned before that the Bible is a unified story that points to Jesus, um, that the Hebrew Bible reveals God's character and how he relates to his people, um, but ultimately put points forward to a future hope, uh, coming Savior King, and likewise, the full expression of God's hessed is revealed, is embodied in a Savior King, the person of Jesus of Nazareth. Um, and why is that? Why Jesus? Returning to the idea that God is wholly other, um, inaccessible to us by God's own choice, uh, by God's own choice, except to us sorry, inaccessible to us except by God's own choice. The Hebrew Bible tells us that God chooses to be the God of humanity and that humanity will be God's people. The New Testament tells us that the Father chooses his son, Jesus of Nazareth, and he chooses to create humanity in his son so that he may be with us and that we may be with him. And God reveals himself to us and to the world as he really is in as the God in Jesus. So when we look at Jesus, we see the true and living God choosing to be the God of humanity, and he has chosen um, humanity to belong to him. That's God's grace in simple terms, right? We belong to him because God first chose to belong to us. The grace of God is an expression, is expressed in a relationship of belonging, and that's, be- and that's been the point of every covenant. Every covenant has been about belonging to God. Um, grace is the word of God, which says, I will be your God, and you will be my people. In other words, grace is Emmanuel, God with us. Uh, in G- and it's in Jesus Christ, the word of God made flesh. So, next slide. So when we look to Jesus, what do we see? Is God some vague, omnipotent deity who decides everything that will happen according to his mysterious will? Is, is that what we see when we see Jesus? Um, So there's no way, obviously, to describe um, uh, everything that Jesus is. But I'd like to read some quotes uh, from meditations from Henry Nouwen's book, The, uh, The Wounded Healer. And he says this about God, or he says this about Jesus. Who can save a child from a burning house without taking the risk of being hurt by the flames? Who can listen to the story of loneliness and despair without taking the risk of experiencing similar pains in his own heart? and even losing his precious peace of mind. In short, who can take away suffering without entering into it? Nobody escapes being wounded. We are wounded people, whether physically, emotionally, mentally, or spiritually. When someone comes with his loneliness to the minister, he can only expect that his loneliness will be understood and felt so that he no longer has to run away from it, but can accept it as an expression of his basic human condition. Jesus is God's wounded healer. Though his, through his wounds, we are healed. Jesus' suffering and death brought joy in life. His humiliation brought glory. His rejection brought about a community of love. His followers, As followers of Jesus, we can also allow our wounds to bring healing to others." End quote. So we worship a God who, in Jesus, chooses to heal us through his wounds. Um, and the fullness of God's hesed is made complete on the cross. Um, And so to close, I'm gonna just end with a very short blurb, I guess. So Karl Barth was asked after a lecture in Chicago if he could sum up his theology in one sentence, and he replied with the words of a song his mother had taught him, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Um, And so what does the Bible tell us? The Bible tells us, God has said, in the unilateral covenants and the promises that God makes and keeps for our good. The Bible tell us, tells us of God's Hesed in an unrelenting husband's love. And the Bible tells us of God's Hesed in the person of Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us, who entered into pain, suffering, and death to bring about our healing, joy, and life. Amen.
1: The other? Uh. So, suzerian vassal treaties sound very dark ages. So let me try to illustrate for you what a suzerian vassal treaty would be. A means simply means that the more powerful party, the vassal would be the weaker state, which was, pretty synonymous in the Dark Ages, because a Caesarian or a Lord exists in the Dark Ages because there's no protection. There's no civics or or societal protection, the police force, you're on your own. And in ancient Near East, it was the same way. That's why when Ukraine continues to submit to be part of a UN sanctionation, is that if they are, and all the allied parties have to join in a war. And why that's conflicting for US is because Russia, one of the largest importers of gas and oil, and the world uses it. So it's conflicting interest. That's one way to look at this covenant idea. Or you could when Min Young and Danny heard back today from keeping their child alive, give him a hand. His middle name, Samuel, after me and the Bible character. When he was born, they're the caesarean, he's the vassal. They have to keep him alive. There's nothing he does to cooperate to live. He literally tries every second of his life to kill himself really the only thing he can do is cry and I remember a doctor in our church who just is having her second baby next week Janice told another soon to be mom if they stay alive you did your job it's like oh that's profound folks the whole point of the gospel message is that the promise rests on God And my question to you as we reflect on the advent season, the Adventist, the arrival of Jesus, and why that is so paramount in history is this question why is so God so confident? Why is God so secure in who He is that no matter what you do, tell someone no matter what you do, how much you fail, how much you doubt? he still will have, everybody say with me, hesed. Hesed. It sounds more like Cleon in Star Trek, but it's a nerdy little reference. But yes, I'm a Trekkie. But the hesed of God is firmly rooted not in the performance of the vassal. And this brings back and opens the curtain of time and tells you something about even more preeminent than the vassal treaties, about God's character and the creation before the universe itself, that at the heart of God, he is fully sufficient and confident to steadfastly be himself, meaning he cannot fail, And no matter what you do, and this is the part of the good news of the gospel. Bring your brokenness, Jesus says. Bring your weakness, Jesus says. Bring your thirst, Jesus says. And I'll satisfy it. I'll give you living water. So, as we close today, let me try to frame this for... Religious believers that might have lost their faith or struggling in their faith. If you come from a moral framework, well, I'm not good enough for God to use me, save me. I'm just inherently flawed in some ways. Then you're making yourself more powerful than God. And that's why your Christianity or your faith doesn't work. Because the covenant doesn't work that way. It's about his power being made perfect in your weakness. And if you're a seeker, all you need to do today is say, God, I'm here in New York. Feeling lost, feeling the pressure, feeling broken, feeling lonely, feeling frustrated. You be my refuge. And that's the covenant right there. He's just a prayer away. So today, let's pray together and, and sing this song and try to clarify this covenant. I just want to invite you to lift your hands to receive. Everybody say it again. The Hesed. Heset. And I, I I mean, you know, we don't normally don't do this, but I myself struggled with agnosticism and atheism in college. And let me just tell you this. And I say this in my book as a preview or to sell it. I say in in the end of the book that in my skepticism and doubt, that the stone that was moved from Jesus' tomb was easier tend to remove the stone from my own heart because... While the latter couldn't resist, but the former could. Our hearts are like the stone guarding Jesus' tomb. This willful blindness, this pride, this stubbornness to make it on our own, you know, the bootstrap mentality, the strong man, the hero of my journey mentality, And let me just tell you, nothing will change your relationship with God except to experience the hesed. And that's when grace becomes sweet. That's when the cross makes sense. In my weakness, in my sinfulness, God loves me as my father. And that's when the penny drops and we begin to sing amazing grace. And that's when the Savior becomes sweet. And that's when we get saved and be led by the Father. So I want to pray right now. Lift, lift, your, lift your hands. I want to pray for the Holy Spirit today, for seekers, for believers, far, close, anywhere in between. I pray, Holy Spirit, that the Heset of God shower to us in Hosea, the Hesed of God shown to Abraham, the Hesed of God, the blood dripping down the cross, would fill us. And that revelation, that radical revelation, alien love of God, would transform not only our thinking, but our hearts to how we see you. Folks, the Heset of God, like Tozer says, changes the most important thing about how you see God. And that's the most important thing. Let's make this our prayer right now. Will you receive His love today? Lord of
0: love. Lord of love. Would care to know. Would care to know. Together would care, would care to feel my hurt. Who am I? Who, Who am I? That the bright and morning star, Let the bright and morning star, would choose to light the way, would choose to light the way for my ever wandering heart, for my ever wandering heart.
1: Bible says one sentence about who God is, God is love, and only perfect love can cast out fear. Now, sometimes churches focus on power, and power is great, but power itself cannot produce love. In the Gospels, Thomas says, Lord, until you show me your hands and feet, I will not believe. Now, Thomas already seen a miracle in Jesus' resurrection, journeyed with Jesus for three and a half years. And a lot of people think that Thomas believed and worshiped Jesus and said, oh, after he touched him, oh my God and my Lord. And the Bible says that he worshiped Jesus. And so a lot of people take this text and say, well, power, miracles is the way to win the heart of humanity is not. Jesus didn't comply to the request of Thomas. And it wasn't a miracle. Instead, I say this, right? It's an act of love. And I want to say this to all of you far close in between because this gospel is good news. Anybody who reaches out to Jesus and so God, show me in my doubt, in my fear, in my weakness, in my trouble. God will lovingly do it because it's love that melts that stone. It's not power. It's not miracles. So as we close today, will you pray with me? As we close in the benediction. Father, I pray today a blessing. Wherever we might be in our faith, far, close, or somewhere in between, I pray somehow, some way. Your hesed, your everlasting love for me would be made known to me in a way that I could understand. And that would inform what I believe about God, would inform what my faith is. Because if God is anything, he is love. So today, may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you now and forevermore. All God's people pray. Amen. God bless you. Go in peace.
0: Hello, everyone. Happy Sunday and happy Advent season. Uh, my name is grace and i'm a member here at 180 church and i will be sharing some community news with you so first off uh, we'll talk about tithe and offering uh, if you are a member here at 180 church we ask that you continue to keep god at the center of your finances and to tithe faithfully um, you can send your offerings via venmo zelle chase quick pay or paypal if you're a visitor here with us today we are so happy that you're here and um, there's no financial obligation to give but if you'd like to make a donation you can do so with the methods just mentioned next um, we have all the ways we can connect with god and others in the community throughout the week Uh, we have our bible reading group on instagram at 180 brg where you can join us anytime to read the bible we also have a number of other platforms such as um, Our church's Facebook page, Dr. Sammy's Twitter Our YouTube page, where a lot of other people are watching this announcement right now And a few Instagram handles Um, These social media platforms will be especially helpful for us to stay connected As um, services will be held virtually for Christmas and New Year I think that's the next slide Um, So we can spend those holidays with our families at home watching the services together Another way for us to stay connected with each other during the week uh, We have small group Small groups are a great place to connect with others and go deeper into the message We have various groups for different stages Please see the screen for the times and places Uh, Some are meeting on Zoom and others in person Okay, next So in addition to social media platforms and small groups helping us stay connected with each other We also have books that can help us stay connected with God throughout the week. Um, You can purchase the following resources for yourself or your loved ones at the 180 Cafe. These include books for devotionals and Dr. Sammy's new book, Holy Haunting, uh, which could be a great resource, a great tool to share God's heart with those who don't know Him yet. Um, While you're at 180 Cafe checking out these resources, you can also check out some 180 merch. Um, There are hats, t-shirts, hoodies Um, You probably see a lot of different people wearing different um, items Um, They're available in different colors and designs And all the purchases mentioned so far are based on an honor system So you can pick up your item or items and pay through the methods uh, you saw on one of the slides before Um, If you or anyone in your life needs prayer, please share your prayer needs to prayer at 180church.tv and know that everything you share will be confidential and there will be a team praying for you on the other end. Okay, next, for those of you who have the heart to serve, here are a few options for you. We have 180 slash now bookstore, help us wake each other up with a cup of coffee or tea in the morning we also have children's ministry help our little littlest members learn about god's love for them Uh, for all the techies um, help us build amazing things online and we also need greeters Um, please come and help everyone coming through the door feel welcome with your smile Um, just reminding you that right now is advent season Um, Today we're in the season of Advent. It is the season in the church where we reflect on the birth of Jesus Christ. We're reminded of the meaning behind His arrival here on earth about 2,000 years ago and the promise of His return. Lastly, um, for further information about anything I just mentioned so far, feel free to visit our website using the QR code right there. Now you guys can just use your phone and take a picture. Okay, those are all of our announcements for today.